Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Well, good morning. You glad you're here this morning? So am I. Wow. It's a lot of notes that were in my head. So now I got to get rid of the music notes and let God's notes speak to me. I'm kicking off a series this morning called The Truth Heals. The subtitle is Set Free from the Problems of Life. My book, Healing Steps, was based a lot on my story of being healed of a lot of things. And the main one of depression and anxiety and constant negative thinking. Uh, Does anyone struggle or has struggled with that before? I hope what this series will do will help us see that there is a cure and there's a solution is to believe God's truth over even our own thoughts. In fact, next week, the title is The Truth Heals Thinking Problems. We think of drinking problems, but we have thinking problems. But before we do that, we got to define truth because some people have different ideas. Now, you've heard it said the truth hurts. You ever heard that? And you know what? When people say things without grace, because Jesus came with full of grace and truth, when people say things in a mean way and this and that, it could hurt even though there's some truth to it. But a lot of times it's an opinion. It's not necessarily truth. For instance, my whole goal when I was a kid was to write a hit song or multiple hit songs and uh, just live off the royalties and have a black grand piano looking over the Pacific Ocean in a house, though, (laughs) not in the sand. So I'd send my songs out to different publishers. And one time I was really excited. There was a major publisher that seemed interested. And so we sent the songs out. I waited. Back then you didn't have email, you didn't have cell phones. So you, you waited for the letter to come. And I'll never forget getting the letter from the major publishing company. And I wrote, opened it up. And as I read it, my heart sunk because this is literally what the person said. He said, your songs are laughable. I didn't think they were laughable. I've written songs, and people don't tell me they're laughable. People tell me they're inspiring and they're healing. The point is that that was that guy's opinion, and I could have taken it as fact and just given up, right? Because a lot of times we hear things like that. Or when I was in junior college, and I had a literature class, and the assignment was to write a poem and recite it to the class. So I asked the teacher if I could write a song and sing it to the class. He said, yeah, that's fine. So the day came, and they had a piano in the room. I sang my song, and afterwards, the teacher came up to me and said, wow, you can really play the piano well, and your song's good, but if I were you, I wouldn't sing. If I bought into that, I would have never kept singing and recorded 10 Christian CDs, have some of my songs go all the way to number one in the praise and worship charts. I'm not telling you this to brag about me, but I'm telling you this is that if I would have believed that as truth and fact, I could have given up, right? Or the person who was a really good friend of mine, 
And I started venturing out during concerts where I would sing, and then I'd say a little, whatever was on my heart, I'd speak between my songs. I couldn't hold back. I would just speak. And my friend who was helping me get my ministry going, he said to me, hey, just sing, don't speak. Well, I don't know. I just kept speaking, and now I'm up here speaking. But, you know, everyone has an opinion, and it doesn't make it true. It could be true to them, but the reason that we struggle with thinking problems is oftentimes we are inflicted with hurtful statements that stick in our memory and go deep down into the ROM, you know, the ROM, and then gets into our hard drive and infects our hard drive. We don't even know we're doing it. I heard someone say that the way we remember yesterday often shape our lives today, but it's not the memory. It's the interpretation of the memory. I want to encourage you, and I hope that you'll come through this series, because I believe that God has a lot of healing to do in our lives if we'll just stop doing the old things and start doing the new things. And I want to help you with that. And I'm hoping that this will be a book called The Truth Heals. I ask you to pray for that because I believe many people need to hear what we're going to talk about. So we have to define truth. So today's sermon is called What is Truth? And I put on there introduction chapter one in faith that this will actually be the introduction chapter one of my book. Now, anybody here of Pontius Pilate? I love that name. Man, that would be like a great name for a Pilates place called Pontius Pilates. But uh, so he was the governor of Judea. Remember, the religious leaders brought Jesus to him in hopes that he would give the stamp of approval for the crucifixion. But remember, Pilate's wife had a dream. She was very upset about the dream. And she told her husband, don't do anything with that guy. There's something different about him. So we pick up the conversation here in uh, John 18, where Pilate says to Jesus, so then you are a king, because the whole thing was a battle over power, because the Jews were saying, hey, he's saying he's a king, so if he's a king, he's going to overthrow you and everyone above you, because he's a king. So Pilate says, so then you're a king. And isn't it amazing that sometimes God can use fools to speak the truth? So he does. So then you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. You say the truth, right? For this reason, I was born. And for this reason, I've come into this world in order that I might testify to the what? Truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So Pilate says to Jesus, a statement that still is very popular today. What is truth, right? What is truth? Because everybody has their own. In fact, you hear people saying, speak your truth. No, it's your truth. So that's what we're going to try and talk about today. And here's some things that people have said about truth. St. Augustine said, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself. John Calvin said, all truth is God's truth. John Lennon said, tell the truth and make it rhyme. Now, isn't that quaint? (laughs) Imagine there's no heaven. Remember? Albert Einstein said, whoever is careless with the truth in small matters cannot be trusted with important matters. And then Mahatma Gandhi, he says this, nobody in this world possesses absolute truth. This is God's attribute alone. Relative truth is all we know. Therefore, we can only follow the truth as we see it. 
Such pursuit of truth cannot lead anyone astray. Sadly, Mahatma, you're lying because there is absolute truth and just accepting anyone's truth is what leads people astray. That's exactly what leads people astray. What does the dictionary say about truth? This is from dictionary.com. Truth is that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. I agree with that. But then the second definition says a fact or belief that is accepted as true. You know, someone said a lie doesn't become truth just because it is accepted by a majority, right? So there's a battle between absolute truth and what is referred to as relative truth. Relative truth being related to the subject, absolute being related to the object, the objective truth. So absolute truth is dependable because absolute truth never changes. And I can live my life based on absolute truth. Relative truth changes according to the subject of what that person believes is true. That is not dependable. Because one time they'll say one thing is true, the next time they'll change it. How can you live a life based on a truth that changes? You know, someone said there's truth doesn't have a but. <laughs> you know, it's truth but. But there is absolute truth. Does anyone know what this is? It's a plumb bob, right? Plumb bob. This is a tool that construction workers use a lot to make sure the vertical is plumb. So you hold it over something and it shows that it's a plumb line. It's based on gravity, which is very dependable, right? What I want us to think about is, is our plumb line the word of God? Then we're absolutely vertical. If not, we're off tilted, and the truth is not in us. In his book, The Rise of the Nuns, and it's N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. Sounds like a movie, right? The Rise of the Nuns. <laughs> it's The Rise of the Nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and James Emery wrote this book, and the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, are people who refer to themselves as religiously unaffiliated. So when you know on the survey, religious affiliated nun, so they check nun. He wrote a book based on what these type of people believe. Here's what the three things that come out of this book that are very important to understand because this is the culture in which we live. Number one, they believe these things about themselves and the world. They believe in something that's called truthiness. This is the assertion that we are not only to discern truth for ourselves from the facts at hand, but also to create truth for ourselves despite the facts at hand. These type of people also believe in what's called wikiality. You ever heard of Wikipedia? Wikipedia is like a group think. Wikiality, reality is determined by a majority vote, such as when astronomers voted Pluto off their list of planets. Did you know that? They just voted it off. Or people who vote now that there's more than two genders and things like this. It's a majority type of vote. And then there's mistakers. To avoid calling themselves sinners, we've become mistakers. To turn everything we do into a virtue where lust becomes sensuality, anger is just being honest with your emotions, you can go on, laws don't matter, the Bible is old-fashioned, whatever those things are. Now, we can laugh at that, 
but it's very sad. We live in a world of truthiness, wickiality, filled with mistakers. We see this type of belief all over the place, on TV, on social media, in conversations. It's the belief that anything goes. If it feels good, do it. It's kind of like if truth were like picking off petals from a daisy and saying, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, and hope and lands on he loves me. That's relative truth. It's subjective because it's based on the subject's definition or feeling about truth. So there's a battle between what we know as absolute truth and relative truth. And it used to be that we didn't have to have the discussion. Probably 20, 25 years ago, this type of relative truth started to really come in at a faster pace. But relative truth is like a ship without a rudder. It's like a plane without a pilot. It's like a life without a purpose. So let's talk, first of all, what is truth? And then we're going to find ourselves in the story that Ray just read from. What is truth? The truth is found in God's Word, the Bible. That's the plumb line. That has to be the plumb line. Now, you can disagree and live with the truthiness factor. I would advise you not to do that. It's not a good way to live your life. The truth is found in God's Word. Now, would you agree that the Bible is being attacked? It's always been attacked. In fact, there's been so many Bible burnings over the history of the world, but yet we still have the Word of God. Because the Bible is not just written words, it's alive. Because the Holy Spirit works through it, and Jesus is alive, and He's the Word. So there's an attack. Why is there an attack on the Bible of all books? Nobody's attacking like the biography of Abraham Lincoln or whatever it is, you know, any other books, people aren't attacking those books. Why are they attacking the Bible? Because they realize that if the Bible is true, then they have to change their life. How do we know the Bible is true? Well, first of all, Jesus said it. We have to come to an agreement, and you can disagree, like I said, but I would encourage you to study it then and and have some proof that what Jesus said is not true, instead of just saying, oh, well, I don't think it's true because, you know, it doesn't fit into my categories, or it doesn't fit into my worldview, or it doesn't fit in my truthiness, or it doesn't fit into my sin, or whatever it is. I would encourage you to actually research and then come up with an answer why you think Jesus' words are lies. But if Jesus says something is true, then he's either the Lord or he's a liar. And people get to decide, I guess. But Jesus says, written in the Bible, in his prayer the night before he was crucified, and he's praying to his Father in heaven, and he says this, read it with me, your word is truth. Your word is truth. Now, either you can disagree, or if you agree, then we all can basically reach the plumb line because this is the word of God. We're going to find out more about that, what that means. Either Jesus is right or he's wrong. Can't be in between. Can't be gray areas. Like I said, truth doesn't have a but. It's either true or it's not. We do know that the word of God says, for all scripture is God breathed. That literally means breathed from the mouth of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We need God's word to keep us plumb and vertical That's why God's word teaches us. It rebukes us when we're wrong. It corrects us in a loving way with the Holy Spirit working in our life and trains us up in righteousness. Those things are what we need, that I need, okay? 
Next, the truth is objective based on fact. The truth is objective, meaning that it's based on an object outside of myself, and that is factual truth. So if I were to ask you, do you have a quarter in your pocket? What would make my statement, you have a quarter in your pocket, true? What would make that statement true? There's a quarter in your pocket, right? Because if there's not a quarter in your pocket, then that statement isn't true. So today, people are pretending that their quarters exist in order to create an image of truth, which in fact is a lie. Because if the quarter is not in the pocket, it ain't true. Truth that is objective is based on an object outside of ourselves. I am here to tell you that that object is a person, Jesus Christ, and we'll get into that in a minute. Throughout the Bible, it says God is the God of truth. Can God lie? How do we know that? Because it says in the Bible, it's impossible for God to lie. If God could lie, then we would be up a creek because we wouldn't be able to trust what he says. But he does not lie. Psalm 119 says, the sum of your truth, and that literally means the sum total of your truth, of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. So if I went outside and my neighbor was outside putting water into his gas tank, I'm going, hey, why are you putting water into your gas tank? Well, it's cheaper, and I, I feel it's just better. I feel like I don't want to go get gas. I don't have time. I go, but if you put water in your gas tank, A, you ain't going anywhere, and B, it's going to ruin your engine. I don't care. That's what I believe, that water will work in my gas tank. That's how people think. They're putting water in their gas tank. Listen, the fuel in which we live and live abundantly, as Jesus said, is the word of God. We put that into our gas tank. Richard Dawkins, you ever heard of him? He's a self-avowed atheist. He said this, Gravity is not a version of the truth. It is the truth. Anyone who doubts it is invited to jump out of a 10-story window. Think about it. Does the law of gravity work every time? What if I just said, I'm going to jump from a 10-story window because that's not my truth. I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to jump. What will happen? I die. So as Pastor Sam said earlier, God has us here on this earth to be truth bearers, image bearers by sharing the truth because people need to hear the truth. They'll hear lies everywhere else, but we don't want people jumping out of a 20-story window killing themselves. We love these people. Have you had a heart for people that are lost? And when I mean that lost, I mean they don't have a plumb line. They're just like a rudderless ship and you try to talk to them, and you want to help them, but unless they're willing to hear it, but does that mean that we shouldn't stop saying it? Third, the truth is alive and active, and it's because Jesus is alive and active by his Holy Spirit. Read this. I love this verse, Hebrews 4.12. I love it because it's exactly how God works in my life and in your life. Read it. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword and penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, both of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
So if I am sick and I need surgery, what is the purpose of the surgery? To make me well, right? Does surgery hurt? Yeah, because you're getting well. It's part of the healing process after the surgery is done. In fact, the definition of surgery is the treatment of injuries or disorders of the body by incision or manipulation, especially with instruments. So we just read that the Word of God does that. What's the instrument? The Holy Spirit speaking the Word of God into our heart and healing us. That's how the truth heals, because surgery heals. The truth of God's Word heals. But here's the thing. Only if you're willing to believe it. Next, the truth is a person, and what this person says is true. The truth is a person, and what this person says is true. Did Jesus at any time say that he was the truth? Yeah, we know the verse. John 14, 6, read it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, that's a profound statement. What if someone were to just get up here? I want to share testimony this morning. I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. What would you do to that person? (laughs) Would you believe him? Okay. But Jesus says that exact thing. So either he's a lunatic or he's the Lord. He's God incarnate. Which is he? Because if he's God incarnate and he says this, then we either have to believe him or we choose not to believe. Now notice, the sermon series is not called Truth Heals. It's called The Truth Heals. The article is extremely important because this is not just any truth. This is the truth, God's truth. So what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth. He doesn't say, I am the way and your truth. I am the way, and I'm kind of truthiness, truthy, you know, if, if you want to believe or not. He says, no, there's no choice. I am the way and the truth. A lot of people being of the wikiality mindset want to edit it. They want to change it. You know, they'll go into Jesus on Wikipedia and pull stuff out because it doesn't fit their narrative or it doesn't fit their lifestyle. So there's no in-between. Jesus said, I speak just as the Father has told me. And in Ephesians 4, it says, If indeed you have heard Jesus and have been taught in Jesus, the truth is in Jesus. And the truth is in us if we have Christ in us. And then fifth, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's not enough to read the truth. It's not enough to just hear the truth. You have to know the truth. How do you know the truth? You know Jesus. Dallas Willard says, we have knowledge of something when we are representing it, thinking about it, speaking of it, treating it as it actually is on an appropriate basis of thought and experience. So what brings knowledge? Is it just head knowledge? No, it's experiential knowledge. How do I know my wife? Do I just know about my wife? I know my wife. We've known each other for 28 years. We've been married for 27 years. I'm around her almost on a daily basis. 
I know my wife. How do I know my wife? Does someone tell me about my wife? I know my wife through experience. How do I know the truth? I know Jesus. Do I know about Jesus only? Did someone tell me about Jesus? They did. But how do I get to know the truth? I know Jesus. I experience him on a daily basis. I talk to him. I read his word. I pray. I hang around other people who are truth-filled people. So Jesus says, I'm only free if I know the truth and not just know about the truth. So we're going to end with talking about finding yourself in the story. And every week, we're going to find ourselves in the story. Next week, when we talk about depression and anxiety, we're going to find ourselves in the life of Elijah. But today, we find ourselves in the life of the religious leaders versus Jesus. And it's an ongoing battle through the whole gospel. If you've read the gospel, you realize that there was a battle between truth and lies. And it was based on keeping the power base, the power mantle. The religious leaders did not want to give up their power. They did not want to give up their temple. They did not want to give up their land to another king, even though the king is the Messiah himself. And this is the battle that goes on today in our culture. So let's find ourselves in the story. You can open your Bible to John chapter 8 and follow along. Number one, people who are for the truth are true disciples of Jesus Christ. So there's going to be for the truth and there's going to be against the truth. And we're going to look at both. People who are for the truth are true disciples of Jesus Christ. How do we know this? Jesus says in John 8, 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, Now listen, these are believers. And it's in the perfect tense. It means it's something that happened. They had believed in Jesus. But then Jesus goes on and says, If you abide or remain in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now, is Jesus saying that if you don't abide in my word, you're not a believer? Is there a difference between being a believer and a disciple? Yes. Why? I can believe in the law of gravity, but if I really want to know the law of gravity, I become a student of that subject, right? Jesus is not saying If you don't remain in my word, you're not a believer. Because sadly, there are believers that aren't in the word. And they're the ones that are walking around in life saying, oh yeah, I'm a believer. Oh, but yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want. It's good. I don't want to offend you. You know, instead of speaking the truth and love and trying to help somebody, he's saying, only if you remain in my word are you truly a disciple. You're not automatically a disciple of Jesus Christ just by believing. A disciple is a student. In fact, the word is mathetes, which we get our word mathematics. There's a learning involved. That's a disciple. So if you want to think student, you can think that. Someone who remains in God's word is a student, and then you begin to know God because you're familiar with the subject matter, which is the word of God. Notice Jesus says, my word, the Bible is Jesus' words. God's words, Jesus' words. Same thing. Next, people who are for the truth are truly free. The religious leaders weren't free. They were in bondage to their sin. John 8.32, read it with me. 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now notice, we have to remember what Jesus just said. If you remain in my word, you're truly my disciples, and what? You will know the truth, because you're studying, because you're remaining in me. You're not just walking around without a rudder. You're using God's word as a rudder. So you're remaining in him. It's a future tense. You will know the truth. And what does the truth do? Sets you free. From what? The word set you free is literally defined as to cause someone to be freed from domination of something. What has dominion over you when you're outside of Christ? Sin and death. Hopefully we all agree that because Jesus rose from the dead, we who are in Christ will rise from the dead. We all understand this. But if we're not in Christ, what are we in? We're in Adam, which is we're in our sin. See, Jesus came to die on the cross to take away our sin. The priests would go into the Holy of Holies and they would sacrifice the animal the lamb, but they'd have to do it over again the next year. And they would do sacrifices every day because it wasn't taking away sin. It was kind of covering it. Jesus took it away. That's why you're free. You know this? But it's only if you know him, the truth. So when you know God's word and you believe what it says, you will most likely do what is most important that God says, which is what? Believe in my son, Jesus Christ. Say that. Believe in my son, Jesus Christ. That's the main thing, is believe in God's son, Jesus Christ. And then you're no longer on the dominion of death and sin. You are truly free. The Greek word for truth is aletheia, which means to unhide. The theological lexicon of the New Testament says aletheia, is that which is not concealed. It's a fact or a condition that can be seen or expressed as it really is. To speak the whole truth is to conceal nothing. And aletheia is the opposite of lying or forgetfulness. An event is true when it is unveiled completely. Jesus has unveiled the truth. Now, why do some people not believe it? Because the Bible says that there's a veil over their eyes. The Bible says that the prince of this age, which is Satan, has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the gospel of Christ. Isn't it amazing? The veil lifts and you're like, before this was like the most boring book in the whole world. And you're like, why does someone read that? And then the next thing you know, the veil lifts. You go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was in there. Wow, that's what happened to me. That's how you're healed. The veil has to be lifted by belief. So the religious leaders refused to believe. We see here, starting in verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring or seed of Abraham. So they pulled Abraham card. <laughs> they do that all the time. And never been enslaved to anyone, which is not true. <laughs> Israel was enslaved to everyone for a long time. How is it that you say, Jesus, that you will become free? Because see, they didn't see their need for a savior. They were self-righteous. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, which is literally the Greek words, amen, amen. So when you say amen, you're saying, that's true. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. There's the dominion over you. 
The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So you have to know that the Jewish slaves were to serve for six years, and in the seventh year they were set free. But a son was always part of that house. They were a son, not a slave. Jesus is saying that being an offspring of Abraham does not set you free because Abraham is a human being, a sinner. But being an offspring of God through faith in Jesus Christ, the seed of God, means that you are now adopted into God's household. You become a part of the family of God and you're free forever. That's why Jesus says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. A slave would be set free, but he'd probably end up a slave to somewhere else. If you're a part of the family, you're free. You're not under that burden and that guilt and that death and sin. One of the biggest lies in our culture, and I hear it all the time, is like we're all children of God. You ever heard that? We're all children of God. That's not true. We're all creation of God. But how does one become a child of God? Here's how, Galatians 3.26. For you're all sons of God through what? Faith in Christ Jesus. That's how you become part of God's family. Next, people who are against the truth are people who kill Christ. John 8, 37. I know that you're offspring or seed of Abraham, Jesus said, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I hear this too. Well, I go to church. My parents are Christians. I'm a good person. Here's this thing. That's the same thing the religious leaders were saying. I'm seed of Abraham. He's my father. I don't need to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going on their ticket. And happening. At some point, you got to make your own decision because Jesus says, whoever believes in him, the son of God, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Hopefully there's no one in here who has not believed in the name of Jesus Christ because the cross is where sin was dealt with. Can you save yourself? Can I save myself? No, only God can save me. Next, people who are against the truth are for the devil. When people aren't of the truth and aren't speaking the truth of God's word, they are speaking a lie which is of the devil. That's why Jesus says, I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now, I can imagine the tension. Have you ever tried to share Christ? I don't know if I would advise saying that. I'm speaking the truth because it's God's word. You're buying into the lie of your father. Oh, who's your father? What do you mean your father? Oh, the devil is your father. (laughs) What? Get out of here. But it's true. Listen to the thing. I know it's uncomfortable. Believe me. But the gospel in itself is offensive and uncomfortable. That's what makes it so powerful. Because when someone can repent, which is stop believing what I think is true, and start believing what God says is true, They are truly free, and the veil is lifted. If it's not uncomfortable, it would be meaningless. The gospel is offensive. It's good news only to those who believe it. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works he did, which are of faith. But now you seek to kill me. And a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, this is not what Abraham would do. Because Abraham believed God. You are doing the works of your father did. They said to him, now, you got to get this. They pull out the bastard card. 
right? They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. Why did they say that? Because they didn't believe Jesus was born of God. They thought he was the carpenter's son, the son of Joseph. Did Joseph impregnate Mary? Who did? The Holy Spirit. So they pulled that card on him. We're not like you, Jesus. You're born of sexual immorality. They tried to shame him. Isn't that what people of the untruth do? They try to shame you. We have one father, God. So now they don't even pull the Abraham card. They pull the God card, which they should never do that because they would never refer to that God as their father. They thought he was a father, but not their father. They're trying to pull stuff out of the air now. Have you ever gotten in discussions like that? They're just pulling stuff out of nowhere. Doesn't even make sense. Next, people who are for the truth love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? I love Jesus more than anything. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Later on in the passage, it gets in the whole thing about the Abraham discussion. And then at the very end, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. You remember that? He's basically saying, I'm God. That's why they just lost it. Next, people who are against the truth are spiritually deaf and are not of God. Spiritually deaf, because Jesus says, not of God, spiritually deaf and not of God. He says, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. In Hebrews 3.15, it says, Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion because you don't know at what point your heart will get so hard that you reject the truth. That's why Jesus turned to the religious leaders at some point and said, you've committed the ultimate unpardonable sin, which is rejecting Christ. And then in 844, you are of your father, the devil. So Jesus defines the father and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. It's his language for he is a liar and the father of lies. And the sooner church that we can wake up to the truth that the devil is lying all the time the better you'll understand how the truth can heal you. And then in John 9, 45, Jesus says, but because I speak the truth, you don't believe me. So some people will just reject truth, reject truth. They hear the truth, they reject it, but we need to keep telling them. In John 8, 46, which one of you convicts me of sin? He's saying, if you're going to convict me of sin, do it. But if I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? Because it's a battle of power. People don't want to surrender their life to another king. They want to be king. I wanted to be king of my life. I thought I was. And I kept going, if I'm a king of my life, why do I screw everything up all the time? Why is my family falling apart? Why am I just living in desperation and depression? Why is that happening? It's because I need to surrender my life to the true king. And then last verse 47, whoever is of God, Here's the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. That's the bottom line. So when Jesus says, let him who has ears, let him hear. Do you hear the word of God? Do you believe the word of God? Do you know Jesus? Are you willing to commit to be a disciple of Jesus by getting plugged into a local church where the Bible is taught and preached? 
Because here's the thing, you'll go home and you'll hear the lies again. And then if you're not being taught and teaching yourself as well, you're going to fall for the lies. That's just the way it is. So where do you find yourself in the story? Hopefully nobody finds themselves with the religious leaders. They died in their sin. That's why Jesus said, you're like whitewashed tomb. You look great on the outside. Your life's a mess. Inside's all screwed up. And then some people say, well, I'll give my life to Jesus when I get my life together. No, that's why he wants to come into your life to get your life together. He's better at it. And then some people say, yeah, I prayed to receive Christ and I asked him to come into my heart. But then when he started meddling in those other rooms of my heart, I'm like, don't knock on that door. And Jesus is saying, if I don't knock on that door, if you don't let me in, you can't be healed. These are the things we're going to talk about in the sermon series. How can the truth heal? I encourage you to come back because I believe this can be life-changing. And then I don't want us to just keep it to ourselves. I want us to tell people about the truth. In a minute, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And so I want to pray and I want to give anyone an opportunity to turn their life over to the Lord Jesus. And then also, if you want to repent and confess that you need to change in certain areas, you can do that in this time. And know that God is a God of grace. If you're feeling condemned, that's not God. That's the devil. Because the Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the truth. The plumb line of our life is the word of God. Jesus is the word. And he is alive. And therefore, your word is alive. And you have spoken to us. And let not our hearts harden, but let it be fertile and that seed would fall in good soil. And if there's anyone here today that would like to accept the Lord Jesus into their life, you can just pray this in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. I don't understand it all now, but I pray that you will show me and reveal the truth to me because you are the truth. And thank you for dying for my sins. I can't do that. Thank you for rising from the dead. I couldn't do that without you. But now that you come into my life, The Bible says that anyone who calls in the name of Jesus will be saved and resurrected in him and become a new person. And Lord, for those of us who have maybe drifted away or or have things that we know, Lord, that you want to work on, I pray that we'd make that commitment to spend time with you on a daily basis and to get involved with a church where the Bible is taught and preached and be around other people of truth so that I won't fall for the lies. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you visit if you're in the area. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegateoc.com. Amen.